wow, preacher, you call this good news? I don't know about anybody else, but this just sort of makes me want to throw up my hands and admit that I will never be able to live up to these expectations. Who could, really? I mean, come on. I think so often we read what we've come to call the Beatitudes and end up feeling that way. As Dr. Charles Cook writes, we admire the instruction, but we fear the implications of putting the words into actual practice. If this is what it takes to follow Jesus, then how does anybody ever do it? Can anyone, with the exception of a few saints, actually live up to this list of demands? Well, here's the secret. This is not a list of demands. Jesus has gone up on a mountain and is teaching his disciples while a crowd is listening in. Now, mountains were regarded as sacred places. And early listeners, early readers, would be reminded that Moses, too, went up a mountain to declare God's word to the people. In Scripture... A mountain is a sacred place where the heavens and earth meet. Jesus is talking about something far greater than prerequisites to becoming one of his followers. And what he is teaching is not a list of requirements. Seriously, could four ex-fishermen actually do the things he's talking about here? No, he is teaching them about the kingdom of heaven and how one can recognize blessedness. Jesus has announced that the kingdom has come near, and we know that to mean that in him, through him, God is doing this new thing. The word that begins each of those proclamations is sometimes translated happy, fortunate, in a privileged position, well-off, Honored, but I think the best translation is the word blessed. Jesus is saying these are the folks who are blessed. Please note, these are declarative statements. It's not a if you do these things, become like this, then you will be blessed. Instead, To be blessed means to be included in the coming realm. Jesus is declaring that these people are blessed, included. Yes, you fishermen, included. That widow struggling to make ends meet, included. That one who is willing to stand up to the powers that be and speak out against oppression and injustice, included. The world may want no part of those people, but God pours out grace upon grace on their lives. This is the good news that God favors those in need. So often when we speak of the Beatitudes, we suggest that Jesus is turning the values of this world upside down. This new thing God is doing is not like the world we've created, the world we perpetuate. God is promising that the least, the lost, the unlovable are in fact seen by God and blessed by God. As Reverend Lance Pape writes, the kingdom Jesus proclaimed and embodied is a new way of seeing, a new way of naming, and so a new way of being, as Colin talked about in the children's time. Blessed are the peacemakers, says Jesus. But we know in our world, those who pursue peace risk having their patriotism called into question. Our national creed is one of optimism, not mourning. 
confidence, not poverty of spirit, and abundance, not hunger or thirst of any kind. And so we live by those other Beatitudes. Blessed are the well-educated, for they will get the good jobs. Blessed are the well-connected, for their aspirations will not go unnoticed. Blessed are you when you know what you want and go after it with everything you've got, for God helps those who help themselves. If we're honest, we must admit that the world Jesus asserts as fact is not the world we have made for ourselves. Thy kingdom come has not happened here yet. But in Jesus and in his church it is becoming Jesus declares that it is not only the rich and powerful that God blesses, but those who are poor and meek and peacemaking and merciful are blessed. God's standards are not those of the current culture. In a world where you survive and get ahead in terms of money, material goods, and power because of who you know, God wants it to be known that knowing the Holy One, that knowing God is what leads to blessings. In a world where your last name and who your family is matter a lot, God wants us to remember that we have joined a new family, the family of God. Those Beatitudes are not a list of requirements, but instead a message of blessings that God in mercy and grace is showering upon us. They are, as one writer called them, a daring act of protest against the current order. We are being asked to think and see and act differently. I think our reaction to this passage is often indicative of our difficulty in wrapping our minds around the concept of grace. You know my favorite quote about grace. I've, I've said it often. There's nothing you have to do. There's nothing you have to do. There's nothing you have to do. Frederick Beekner. It is so difficult for us to imagine God blessing us without setting up requirements and demanding that we meet them first. David Lowe says we are far less eager to be blessed than God is to bless us. Jesus is not saying you have to become these things in order to be blessed. This is not a moral checklist. Jesus isn't saying, go hunger and thirst for righteousness, although that would be an admirable trait for us Christians, right? He's not saying, go be meek, go mourn. Instead, he's asking us to learn to see things differently, to see things through God's eyes. Perhaps we, he's challenging who we imagine being blessed in the first place. Who is worthy of God's attention? Who deserves our attention, our respect, our honor? And by doing that, he's also challenging our very understanding of blessedness itself. And by extension, challenging our culture's view of, well, pretty much everything. Blessing, power, success, the good life, righteousness. What is noble and admirable? What is worth striving for and sacrificing for? You name it, Jesus seems to be invite us to call into question our culturally born and very much this worldly view of all the categories with which we structure our life, navigate our decisions, and judge those around us. What if we begin to see the world through God's eyes? We are blessed. Because God blesses. It's not because we've earned it. 
not because we're rich or famous or humble or poor or meek or mourning. We are blessed because God is love and grace and mercy and kindness. And this God reaches out to us wanting nothing more than to bless us all. This God promises us wholeness and healing and a different way of living in community. The church is called to be an example of that different way of living. If we respond in gratitude that, to all that God lavishes upon us, we could pattern a way of living based on the firm and sure hope that meekness is the way of God, that righteousness and peace will finally prevail, and that God's future will be a time of mercy, not cruelty. So blessed are those who live this life now, even when such a life seems foolish, for they will in the end be vindicated by God. Blessed are. Amen.